Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Let's open in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, how we love you, and we know that you love us to pieces. Lord, my prayer today from my heart with all my passion is that we will truly become together a house of hope in this community and that we will never see what happened this week again because you cannot commit suicide when you still have hope. Help us to bring hope to this community and to this valley. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Normally, I'm terrified to get up in front of people. And today, I left my notes. I had four pages of notes at home. So this message is going to be completely by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be wandering around because that's what I do when I talk, when I teach. I walk around. And so you're going to have to get used to that. And I'm not on a screen, you see, so I can do that today and be myself. Okay, Uh, we're going to start with a scripture. So would you please put up... Isaiah chapter 61. Now, when I told Jeff last week at lunch what I was going to speak on, he got all excited about Isaiah 61, and so he read it for you last week. And today, this is the centerpiece of my message today. So, this is what Jesus quoted when he was in Nazareth. And I actually have been in that church where allegedly he took the scriptures and said it. There's a little rock there. It's about this high where you could sit on and read the scroll with the scripture on it. And he read the scroll. And of course, after he read it, he said, the scripture is fulfilled here today. I sat in that exact spot. Boy, it was cool. Okay. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners who proclaim to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Could you show the rest of the verse? Right there. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now, that last verse, Christ didn't have to say. In those days, people were so ingrained with Scripture, they had it on their foreheads, on the back of their hands. They knew the word of the God. Kind of like, you know, if I say shave and a haircut, you know what comes next, right? It doesn't have to be repeated. When Christ was on the cross, when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was really wanting people to refer to the whole verse, Psalm 22, and recognize all of the scriptures that were in there, which foretold Christ being on the cross, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. This message today is about instead Okay, so I'm going to need your help. Obviously, I don't have my notes, so we're going to have to use the help of the audience here. So how many of you today 
are concerned about health issues. If you are, I want you to stand up. And if, you, if you're not, or if you are but you can't stand, just raise your hand. But if you are concerned about some health issues, please stand. All right. If you're concerned about relationship issues, if relationships have been broken or relationships need to be made, I would like you to stand. Please stand if you have relationships that you need to do. If you have in your life family issues, maybe your your children aren't raising your grandchildren properly or your grandchildren aren't respecting your children properly, whatever. If you have if you have family relationship problems, I would like you to stand. God has something special for you tomorrow. This morning, this morning, not tomorrow, well, tomorrow, today, yesterday. He has something more for you, something instead. Now, most of us go through our lives living black and white lives. Not so much the church here, but the world out there. They live in black and white. They get in their car, they drive to work. They have no idea how they got to work. They just do so. They put in their eight hours of work. They go home. They're exhausted. They eat supper. They watch a show on television, and then they go to bed. And they live their lives automatically, black and white lives. They never see the world of color around them. Can you imagine what it would be like if God created a world where everybody ta- everything tasted like porridge? No brown sugar, no honey, just porridge. And everything tasted like porridge. Every day, that's all you could eat, and everything tasted the same. It might as well for these people, because they don't experience the joy of the Lord. You can sit down. If I missed you... It was by accident. (laughs) So many of us are concerned about these things. God gave us a wonderful sense of taste. And praise God, the greatest thing that Jesus did besides saving my sins was to declare bacon uh, a healthy food now. (laughs) (laughs) All things are clean, he said. So... (laughs) Praise God. The same is true of the sounds around us. I go for a walk every morning. It's my prayer walk, spend time with the Lord, and you hear the traffic around you. It's just a a, a chaos of sounds. But we can hear sometimes the melody, the song that Christ is singing to us. I'm blessed with a spouse who's got a beautiful voice, fantastic creativity. She loves music. When I'm trying to concentrate and pray, she's got the music on. I find it disturbing, but uh, I love it at the same time because that's who she is. She is my melody. She is the song of my heart. The Hebrew or that we trans, uh, translate in Genesis chapter 1 as a, uh, a helpmate when Eve was created for Adam, a helpmate, is actually a word for a warrior. It comes from a root of a warrior, 
In other words, the helpmate really means somebody who's got your back and is ready to fight with you. So I love the song, the last song we just sang, where it says, my weapon is a melody. And I can say that with real truth. My weapon is a melody. God is so good. So what I want to talk about is the instead. How do we get from our humdrum lives to the lives of beauty, to the abundant life that Christ wants for every one of us? And no matter what level of abundance you have, I got news for you. God has so much more for you, you're just beginning to understand. Maybe you already see in color. Well, you don't see in the depth of color that he sees. You don't see beauty everywhere he looks. He even looks at me and sees something beautiful. Can you imagine that? That's the power of my God. So this is about instead. So I'm reading, and I noticed in pocket one of the news things that I do, and it says, the major cause of illness in our society today is what? What's the major cause of illness? Anxiety and worry. And then it goes on to list 10 symptoms that are caused by worry. And in those symptoms are serious diseases, heart disease, cancer, uh, joint illness, old age. All of these things are listed. Then it goes on and says, if your stress is chronic, you're really in a stressful situation, i.e. if you have a family, (laughs) it lists another 10. And these are even more thrilling, the list. Essentially, different ways that you can die because of anxiety and trouble. Doctors today say 83% 75 to 95 percent, that varies who the doctor is. 83 percent is the average. 83 percent, doctors say 83 percent of our illnesses are caused by stress, are caused by worry, are caused by concern, are caused by anxiety. Five out of six trips to the doctor trips to the emergency could avoid be avoided if we didn't have that stress in our lives. So what this message is about is something that you all know about. I'm teaching, preaching to you the converted already. But we've got a ways to go in this area. I've got a ways to go in this area. When you were all standing, I was standing too. I have all of those problems, all of those concerns. What is God's message to us instead of worry? What is that message to us instead of worry? What else can we do? My wife had for many years on our fridge a little sign that says, Why pray when you can worry? She took it down eventually because she's grown past that. But I hadn't yet, so I want, you know, I wouldn't want it back. <laughs> I need that. Why pray when you can worry? That's our normal attitude. Corrie ten Boom, 
She was a great Christian person. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She did many, many speeches in that. She lived through the Holocaust. Now, she was not Jewish, but her and her dad hid Jews in her, her house, and eventually they were discovered. But they had saved many Jews from the concentration camps, but they were discovered, and they had to spend time in a concentration camp. And she spent four years in a concentration camp. She came out, she lost a sister there, parents, everything. One of the most wonderful Christians that you'll ever meet. She used to, her greatest worry was when she spoke to audiences, sometimes a thousand, sometimes three thousand. After she spoke, she would look out over the audience and see 3,000 people running to tug her <laughs> and just terrified her. <laughs> But she was that kind of a person. She gives the example of, you know, in World War II we used to sing, put all your troubles in a kit bag, you know, so there, this is symbolic of my, of my troubles. And we go to God and we take out of, for God, our problems. This is my, this represent, this is not, I don't have anything against water. Please don't under, this is a metaphor. This represents my wife, and all the things I'm worried about my wife. She has cancer. She has this. She has that. Oh. So I bring that to the Lord. And then I bring to the Lord my children. Oh, you know, I won't go into it, but I'm always praying for my children. And then, of course, there's my grandchildren, which I'm also concerned about. And then there's all of my friends and relationships, the guy I runs, run with, the guys I know that I pray with, the men that I experience with, the pastors that I have lunch with every day, and I'm praying for them. And, you know, I have all the people in my Bible study, all of the people, you know, there you are, God. All of my prayers. It takes me an hour to go through my list. I, God won't let me count how many people there are in my list. Like he wouldn't let David count the number of people. I don't know why he does that, but he won't let me count it. But it must be hundreds. It takes me an hour to go through my list every morning. I give them to the Lord. And then, you know what I do? I pick them up and I repack them just like this. There it goes. And I carry them around with me wherever I go. Having done nothing. God is omniscient. He is not just with you. He does not just hear about what's happening to you. He feels everything you feel. He feels your despair. He feels that worry and that anguish that you have for your children, for your spouse, for yourself, for your health, for your society, for this crazy place we live with, that young children with their whole lives to live would consider taking their own lives. Well, we just can't understand that. He senses all of that. There's a song out there that says, the oceans are full because of the tears of God. 
crying for the lost, crying for the suffering. He feels every bit of suffering that you feel. He goes with that. He knows your thoughts because he's thinking them with you. He sees through your eyes. He hears through your ears. That's why we can pray just quietly in our heads. He's there. He knows that. And through that all, he loves you. You are to him the dawn, the coming of miracles. He sees you as you're going to become that great warrior, that great singer, that great counselor, that great comforter. He sees what you're becoming, and he loves that. And he loves the time it takes for you to become that. Just like as we look at these little ones, and they're learning to crawl, and they're learning to walk. And we love them because we know what they're going to become. And our heart's just so filled with love, we can't even express it. That's what's God's love for us. Is instead. So, how do we reach beyond our present dullness of heart. How do we go beyond that? We sing about it, we talk about it, but what do we actually do about it? The key is the Bible uses different words in different places, but it always means the same thing. There's a sign at the back. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hebrews chapter 6 says, enter into my rest at least six times in that one chapter. Christ said, abide in me, I am the true vine. This is where we want to go. We sing about going deeper and deeper into God. And as we do that, he heightens all of our senses. We understand, we start to see through his eyes. We see the beauty that he sees in souls, in hearts, all around him. No one is lost. No one is left out. Every child he sees, and he loves tenderly, deeply, passionately. And he wants us to become deeper and deeper into him. And what does that mean? Well, let's use the word resting in the Lord. There's lots of synonyms of this word in Scripture. We could say the peace that passes understanding. We could say waiting in the Lord. We could say um, so many things that use exactly the same sense of meaning. Now, when God says wait upon the Lord, when he says rest in the Lord, it doesn't mean... (laughs) It doesn't mean that. The word for wait... There is a root word. The root word for weight in Hebrew is the word for rope. Rope? What has rope got to do with waiting? The Hebrews didn't go sit down and say, I'm waiting for the Lord. They always did something while they were waiting. And so when you were braiding rope, what were you doing? You were waiting. So... The two parts of what God's message is for us is simply put, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Lately, when I've been praying, 
Last night, I took my dear wife to the hospital. She had headaches for eight days in a row, serious headaches, eight out of ten on her scale. And the Lord says to me, I've got this. Well, so I said, okay, I'll take you at face value, God, you've got it. Next morning, her pain is down to a one or a two. God had it. For two years now, I've been praying for my wife because she has cancer. Her last MRI, no metastasization. She's still in remission after 10 years. Praise God. How did that happen? He told me, he's got this. Well, I was carrying it in and out of my trouble bag there for two years instead of trusting in him. Trusting in the Lord. That's how we get deeper and deeper into him. Really, really trusting him. There is nothing we can't take to God. No experience, no trouble, no relationship, no health problem. Now, God wants us to be healed, to come forward healed. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. But That's not what God really wants. He wants you to go so far past healing that you live healthy, wise lives. He wants you to have perpetual health. He wants this not to be the house of healing. That's good. He wants us to be the house of health. And how do we achieve that? Well, we can't when we're worrying and when we're concerned. 83% of our illnesses are caused by Lack of trusting in God, who's always saying, I've got this. I've got this. I am in control. So instead, instead of worry, instead of concerns, take them to the Lord and leave them there and go on and do what God wants us to do. Every one of you has a vision from God of what you can become. You've had prophecies in your life. You know what God wants you to be, wants you to become. You're becoming in his enemy. He's given you wonderful gifts. And he wants you to use them. So after you've trusted him, go out and use the gifts he's given you. Practice them. He doesn't expect you to walk the first time you try. But he's there to catch you when you fall and encourage you to keep trying. And eventually you're walking and eventually you're talking and eventually you're becoming an adult and you can actually handle money properly. He is there. So instead of a black and white life, instead of ashes, he wants to give you a crown of beauty. Instead of your concerns, he wants to give you the joy of having met your concerns. And he will do that. When he says, I've got this, he means I've got this. And he never lies. And you know what I've discovered recently? I'm getting tired of it. It's a joke between me and God. He always says, I've got this. <laughs> this is God. Put up Ephesians 4, or, or Philippians 4, 6, please. 
This is a passage that we all know and we love deeply with our heart. Do not be anxious about anything. What do you mean, Lord? My anxiety is part of who I am. (laughs) There was a great philosopher named Heidegger, German, and he was an existentialist. Existentialists are highly atheistic, but they don't believe that we're animals. They believe that there's something special about people. And the special thing that Heidegger said that people had that the animals don't have is angst, anxiety. That's what makes you alive, and that's how you know you're a person if you have anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) The nonsense that great thinkers in the world who don't have the Lord profound say. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Christ came from the Jews, from Judah. David was of the tribe of Judah. Does anybody here know what Judah means in Hebrew? Probably Melody does. It's Yehuda is the proper way it's pronounced in Hebrew. What does Judah mean? You know what it means? Thanks. That's the root word where it comes from. David had a heart after God because he was thankful. And so now, when I present my gifts to God, this is what I'm telling myself. Ah, Melody, thank you, Lord. I know you've got this. And everything will be fine because you are God and you said you've got this. And I trust you. Let me do what needs to be done. And that's true of all of our things. Bring them. Oh, oh, go back. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is all the scripture is trying to tell us. Well, we all know this. I'm not telling you something that you don't know already. But it's time we started to really practice what we believe and do this. Next page. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's where we want to get to. The peace that passes understanding. And I know there's the world kind of looks at us, why aren't you worried about this? This is terrible. Aren't you upset about it? When a Christian passes away, Why aren't we upset about it? We're really cheery. We know that they have finally attained to the arms of Jesus. And this is something wonderful, something great. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, let's get practical. What are some of the ways that we can rest in the Lord? How do we do that? Well, there's 50 of us here. Every one of us knows different ways of doing that. And that's fine. Use them. Today I want to practice some of those, but here's some of the examples. Some people find by praying in tongues. Praying in tongues and just letting that babble come out of your mouth, but you sense the Holy Spirit praying for you, speaking to God in a language that you can't understand, but
but you know that he's saying things that are wonderful and amazing through you. And that gives you peace and gives you strength. Elijah, after he'd done a great master's piece on Mount Carmel, where he destroyed all of the prophets of Baal, and where God at his command cast down fire and took up an offering, burned up all the wood, sucked up all the water in the trenches. And yet after that, he was depressed. And so he ran away for a whole month and spent the time in a cave feeling sorry for himself. But God came by. But God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the tornado. He wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the still, small voice. So some of us, resting in the Lord means in absolute quiet, in intensity by ourselves, we can experience the presence of God in power. So everybody stand up, if you can. We're going to try a very simple little exercise here for another way of doing it. You get into an aisle where you have room that you can move a little bit. Okay, let's close our eyes and center our thoughts on his presence. God is present here in this building and in a powerful, meaningful way inside each one of you. He is there. So what I want us to do is I want you to, some of you can't move forward, so just metaphorically do this, but if you can, I want you to step forward. Christ says, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Let's step deeper into the kingdom of God. Step into his presence. And now pause. I want you to feel the presence of God. Just bask in his power, in his love, in his joy, in his hope. Can you feel the presence of God in your bones, in your heart? God is love, and he loves each one of you so passionately, so hard it's hard to express. You may sit down. The first time I saw my granddaughter, my first granddaughter, I walked past her crib, and I can't express it, but I felt such overpowering love, such desire to protect her with everything, every fiber of my being, everything I was. And today I realize that's the love that God has for you and for me all the time, much more than that. I can't even imagine more than that level of love, but that's what he has for us. Rest in him, but don't rest. Rest in motion. Rest in going forward, using the gifts he's given you. We have a part to play in the world. We have an important part to play. Matthew chapter 18, verse 28, the Great Commission. We all read that, and we don't even have to say it, but everybody thinks the same thing in their heart, in their mind. They think, 
evangelism. I've got to go out and do it. I hate doing that. I don't want to be an evangelist. There are five ministries. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Maybe your gift is not being an evangelist. God doesn't necessarily want you to be an evangelist. Maybe he wants you to disciple. Maybe he wants you to teach. Maybe he wants you to pastor. Maybe he wants you to encourage others. That's what prophecy does. These are the gifts he's given you. Now, Christ had all the gifts. Eventually, we will attain to all of the gifts. So it's important to practice even the ones you're not good at. Maybe especially the ones you're not good at. We have to do what Christ wants us to do. Trusting him, putting all of our anxieties on him. He's the God who's got this. He's got each one of us. He has a plan for our lives that is unbelievably beautiful and powerful and wonderful. As the song goes, it's going to be wild. It's going to be great in him. That's what we're looking for. It's going to have more of him involved. And its greatness is beyond expressing. That's what he has instead. And when those bad things happen, think of that critical word from Isaiah 61. God wants to do something instead. Instead of ashes, what does he have for me? A crown? Joy? Love? Beauty? This verse in Philippians goes on, in Philippians 8, to talk about our minds. And our minds need healing too. Sometimes we are, what's the word, Um, depressed, anxious beyond description. God says, think on these things. I come from the University of Alberta, and their motto, their verse, is in Latin from the first part of this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, their slogan is, Quaicumqua vera. Anybody here know somebody named Vera? Vera is Latin for truth. Quaicumqua vera. Whatsoever things are true. And it doesn't repeat the rest of the verse because that would be too long for a slogan. But it knows that you know your scriptures well enough that you hear all the rest of it. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on these things. Anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. And that is the healing of our minds. And God wants that as much as he wants the healing of our bodies. Let's pray. Precious Father, open our hearts wide. Open our hearts, that little restriction that we heard about, the hourglass that keeps all of your grace coming through us. Open that wide so that we can accept all of the love and grace that you have. Pour it through us, Lord. Heavens are already open. We don't have to pray for it to be opened. You've already opened them. But we restrict the flow of that by thinking wrongly, by anxiety and by other emotions that are a little negative. Instead, 
Let us open that up and let all of your grace flow through us. And take away all of the stuff that we fill that big gap, even though you've opened our hearts. We put all kinds of junk and impediments to that grace. Let all of those vanish. And let your love and your grace flow through us into the world that everyone can see our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Lord, Holy Spirit, come upon us and fill us and use us, work through us your signs and wonders and miracles in the universe to see. For we ask all this in your precious and holy name. For listening to our sermon of the week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.